Welcome to another episode of Fear Not, the podcast that tells us why we're afraid of all the wrong things and oblivious to what can actually kill us. Trending fears this week? Fake meat is everywhere. Is that a good thing? Pit bulls kill. Why do we still have them? A drunk Florida couple is arrested, then have sex in the cop's car, making lemonade out of lemons once again. Barry's fear of the week? Not actually listening to what Trump says. That and so much more coming up on Fear Not. Today is gonna be a good day. Don't care what anybody else say. Oh, I don't need a budget cookie to tell me the way I'm feeling. Gonna be a good day. A good day. Welcome back to Fear Not. It's episode 19. I'm Alonzo Bowden here with my co-host, Dr. Barry Glasner, the world's foremost expert on fear. What's up, Barry? What is new? What are you up to? Good to see you, Alonzo. What I'm up to this week is I'm doing an interview for a show that's heard on a lot of public radio stations. It's called Peace Talk Radio. They're doing an episode with me and Janet Napolitano, who's the former head of Homeland Security, who has a new book out called How Safe Are We? So we have a lot in common to talk about. And a film crew from Brazil is going to be here interviewing me for a documentary. Uh, one of the foreign language editions of my book is in Portuguese, and I can't read a word of it, but I'm told it's popular in Brazil. Very cool. Well, if you're in Denver, you can catch me at the Denver Improv, November 11th to 13th. And, of course, you can check out my other podcast, Who's Paying Attention? And I'm going to be going back on tour with Family Feud Live. So please check out FamilyFeudLive.com. And we're here to debunk fears. Why do we do it? Because the more we know about the media we consume, the better decisions we make. And I want to thank all of our listeners. Our audience keeps growing every week. Keep sharing and like us on the platform of your choice. And keep sending in your questions and comments. We love them. On Twitter, we're at Fear Not Official, or you can email us at fearnotofficial at gmail.com. And while you're there, click subscribe. Let's get this thing started. Here we go. Headline number one. Fear fake meat. It's not safe to eat. Well, Barry, is it safe to eat? Well, let me get to that. But before we talk about the food safety, here's some info about the fake meat craze. So for years, veggie burgers were kind of, you know, relegated off to the side. They were kind of the also-rans of burgers. You remember these things, right? Tasteless veggie patties. Those of us who were meat eaters, we had to have them around when we had friends over to dine with us who were vegetarians. Okay, I got to stop you again, Barry, because I got to talk to foodie, Barry. Do you have any vegetarian friends, and do you even care what they eat? I do have vegetarian friends, and of course I care what they eat. I want to be able to have them come over. I'd rather serve them something better than, uh, you know, what those were like. But of course, <laughs> of course I care for my vegetarian friends. They're lovely people. Just because I've eaten with you, Barry, and with you, eating is a thing. So I just mm -hmm. can't imagine some vegetarian coming over and saying, no, I'd, I'd prefer, like, you have some great foodie gourmet meal prepared. And they're like, do you have a veggie patty? <laughs> <laughs> the good news for these vegetarians and for people like us who care about them having decent food is that about 10 years ago, two independent startups saw an opportunity in all of this. 
what they decided that they could do is that they could use modern technology and they could create new plant-based fake meat. One of these became Impossible Burger, which is soy-based. The other became Beyond Meat, which is pea-based. The vegetable peas, P-E-A. Exactly. And then 10 years later, here we are, everywhere you go in fast food places, fine dining places, grocery stores, you find them all over the place. These are funded by venture capital. Bill Gates actually invested in both of them. They operate kind of like tech startups. Beyond Meat went public in July. The stock started at $24. Last time we checked, it was about $150. And once again, I missed it. You know, it went as high as $240. I thought you definitely would have invested. Nah, Bill didn't call me. There have been a whole lot of IPOs this summer that failed, but this one was successful. But there's good news for you, Alonzo. If you want to invest in some others, as you go forward, there's some that are coming from big food companies, so you could buy their stock. I mean, these are like a phenomenon. They're doing so well, in fact, these startups, that the big companies are falling behind them. Uh, awesome Burger. This is coming out from Nestle's, which is the world's largest food company. Then you've got a new product from Kellogg's, Incognito. Yeah, uh, Kellogg's going to have to get with the naming department. Incognito <laughs> is not exactly rolling off the tongue. They probably paid a lot of money for Incognito. Yeah. Impossible Burger and Beyond Burger, both of those are vegan. They're kosher, they're halal, but there's one difference between them. Beyond uses beet juice to simulate the juiciness of meat, which is to say blood. Impossible uses a red dye called lahemoglobin to make it bleed. And lahemoglobin, it turns out, is a GMO. So there's been some blowback on that one. Well, Barry, you've just ruined that. I cannot eat an Impossible Burger ever again because I know it has lahemoglobin. But they're bigger issues than lahemoglobin. And let's unpack some of them here. They're health issues, they're environmental issues, they're taste issues. So let's take these one at a time. First, the health issue. These are processed foods. And we've talked about this before, so just real quickly, overall, the research shows that processed foods are safe and healthy unless you have high blood pressure and diabetes and the processed foods have a lot of salt or sugar in them. Beyond and Impossible do have fairly high amounts of salt, not sugar. Another health concern that some people have raised is that both Impossible and Beyond are basically soy plus coconut oil, and that means that they're pretty high in calories and fat. If you go full vegan, make sure that you eat a well-balanced diet. And that means getting all the necessary nutrients. And you need to especially watch out that you're getting enough vitamin B12. The damage, if you don't get enough, can be irreversible. And especially important, get enough protein. A famous example over the past couple of weeks of someone who went vegan and apparently did not get all he needed from it is Jaden Smith. Will and I had a bit of an intervention with Jaden because he's a vegan now, but we realized he wasn't getting enough protein. So he was wasting away. He just looked drained. He was yeah. just depleted. He wasn't getting he was the, the nutrients. Dark circles under, under his, his eyes. eyes. There was even a little grayness yeah, to, like his to his skin. And we got really nervous. Yeah. He now alternates between vegan and vegetarian where he can eat dairy products. So apparently, if you go vegan, it somehow causes your dad to make horrible movies. I don't know the connection, <laughs> but that is what happened. Ever since he let Jaden on that screen, Will Smith hasn't had a hit. So, Jaden, please get some dairy. But let me just say that there's a flip side to this health question also that's very important. Some people switch to veggie burgers because they've heard that red meat is linked to heart disease and cancer. 
New analysis came out just this last week in a leading medical journal, the Annals of Internal Medicine. And this, by the way, is among the very largest studies that ever looked at the scientific evidence. They examined more than 100 studies involving more than 4 million people, and the scientists found that the health scares about red meat are, to coin a phrase, BS. Or, as the New York Times put it more politely, they're, quote, not backed by good scientific evidence. If there are health benefits from eating less beef and pork, they're small, the researchers concluded. This is another one of those things, and we've talked about this before, especially with food. It's good for you. Then it's bad for you. Then it's good. You know, one study says this, one study says that, right? So so we're on the Atkins diet and we're eating a ton of meat. Then we're on the no-carb diet and we can't eat any bread. I still think that common sense should dominate this, which is why Jaden Smith had no chance. <laughs> but as you know, I'm in favor of most any diet people go on, so long as they get enough nutrition and they keep their weight up enough and all of that. But there are a lot of reasons people go vegetarian. So let's go to the second reason. That's the environmental impact. Whether vegetarian diets that include dairy are actually helping the environment, though, that's open to debate. A cow's a cow's a cow. Cows, like humans, release methane gas, whether you eat them or you milk them. But a new study does say that a mixed diet can help the environment. The researchers say limiting milk or dairy to one meal a day would make a substantial positive impact on the environment. The food writer, Mark Bittman, famously said that he's vegan before six, meaning he eats meat and dairy only for dinner. And some researchers support this. In fact, there's research that says foregoing meat even once a week can make a difference. According to one of these studies, skipping beef once a week for a year is the equivalent of not burning 38 gallons of gas. That makes a big difference. That's not hard to do, skip meat one meal a week. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever tasted one of these new ones? Yes, I have. I've tasted a few. So I had the Impossible Burger at Fat Burger and at another burger place. It does taste like a burger but it's oddly gray. So you, you might want to eat it and not look at it. There have actually been professional taste tests of these things where, you know, they do a, a blind taste test of the, of the two different uh, burgers. Let's listen to this. This one has like, it's like very chewy. The texture is a little, uh, it's gonna sound negative. It's a little rubbery to me. It's very tender, juicy. It tastes like a beef burger. This one definitely tastes more like beef. The flavor's not there. That one tastes like a damn burger. Well, there you have it. Two votes for the Impossible Burger, one vote for the Beyond Meat Burger. I also checked with some of my foodie sources on this, and here, here's where they come down. Their opinions differed widely. Some of them liked it quite a lot, and others said things like, it tastes like cat food. So Barry, I have two questions for you. Fake meat, fear or fear not? Fear not. Now, more importantly, foodie, fake meat, eat or eat not? I'm not touching that. I knew he wasn't going to eat it. Headline number two. October is National Pitbull Awareness Month, and we have a listener question about the fear of pit bulls. I did not know that pit bulls got a month. Maybe they just took it. Yeah, apparently they did. They got their own month. Now, this question comes from Julia Belcher, who's in Detroit, and she submitted this on our website. Here's what she said. 
I'm a dog person, but after a nine-year-old girl was killed by three pit bulls in our city, I wonder why anyone would have one, let alone three. Do we fear the breed of dog? I'm not going near one if I can help it. Or do we fear the owner? That's what she said, and she linked us to an article on the website of the local Detroit NBC station, which reads, Fatal Dog Mauling of Girl in Detroit, Pet Owner Charged with Murder. You know, Barry, I read this story. I'm familiar with this story, but I'm going to let you give the facts before I give my opinion. All right. From the late 1800s until about 50 years ago, pit bulls were generally considered, as one historian put it, quote, a good-natured watchdog and family pet. Current-day pit bull lovers ask how this breed, which was beloved by Teddy Roosevelt, Helen Keller, and the Little Rascals, how could it have become so vilified? And the story that our listener Julia sent us is one reason why. Here's what the story was. A nine-year-old girl named Emma Hernandez was mauled to death by three pit bulls in southwest Detroit. Horrible story. She was riding her bicycle in an alley when three pit bulls escaped from a neighbor's yard. Quote, a male neighbor threw bricks at the dogs in an attempt to stop them from attacking the child. The little girl had the side of her neck hanging off and she was not conscious. Medics were called to the scene, rendered medical assistance, and transported the victim to a local hospital where she was pronounced deceased. It's alleged that the owner of the dogs, Pierre Cleveland, left what he knew were dangerous animals, loose and unsecured, in the backyard of his home while he went to a nearby store. The owner has been charged with second-degree murder, involuntary manslaughter, and having a dangerous animal causing death. The girl's aunt, Claudia Stapleton, said what I think most parents would probably say about this, and this is a quote, this was her neighborhood. She should be able to play and do what every kid does, walk around, ride their bikes. They shouldn't be afraid to, to be in their own neighborhood. And she went on, it's high time that the city of Detroit shines a light on the owners of these dangerous animals that sometimes roam and wreak serious havoc, none worse than what happened here. This is a horrible story, and it's horrible what happened to this little girl. But here is the thing with pit bulls, and I've talked to people who own them. I used to know a guy who bred them. They're sort of a victim of circumstance. As dogs become really popular, they become overbred. A long time ago, it was German shepherds. They had the hip problems, right? Because they were just, they were literally inbred so much. And then Dobermans, we had the thing with Dobermans and Dobermans would, they don't get a Doberman, it'll turn on you. And a pit bull will attack you. Well, this guy who's an expert, he said, the problem is pit bulls have been overbred. Right. That's not unique to pit bulls. But pit bulls have this horrible... They have a bad rep. And, you know, that's that's kind of what we're talking about in the story is the bad rep, which comes partly from stories in the press like that and from incidents like that. But it's so bad that 38 cities have breed-specific legislation discriminating against pit bulls and other dog breeds that they deem aggressive. The American Pit Bull Foundation is the one that's out there to defend them. They do their best to debunk some of the myths that are widely believed, like that they're inherently dangerous, they have locking jaw, obviously not, that they don't feel pain, you know, all of these. So they're like superheroes now. <laughs> right. 
The term pit bull doesn't refer to just one breed. There are at least four. The American Pit Bull Terrier, the American Staffordshire Terrier, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, and the American Bulldog. One dog shelter veterinarian said, and I quote, we used to call mixed breed dogs mutts. Now we call them pit bulls. Now add to that the fact that medical statistics about dog bites and dog deaths come from unverified reporting. They're not independently confirmed dog experts. So if someone whose kid was bitten is asked what kind of dog was it, and they say it was a pit bull, well, that's going to be what goes on the record. So it's no wonder that the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, has stopped keeping records of dog bites. Singling out pit bulls instead of singling out all aggressive dogs is clearly a misplaced fear. And according to the American Veterinary Medical Association, German shepherds and mixed breed dogs have as many, if not more, bite complaints than pit bulls. Right, but they have better publicists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we do know that pit bulls, as loosely defined, are very popular. They're among the top five most popular pets in 38 states, actually. And a group of sociologists who studied pit bulls and their owners quoted one of the owners about why some pit bulls are one way and some are the others. Quote, they turn out exactly the way you want them to. If you want them to be tough and vicious and intimidating, they'll do that for you. If you want a nice all-around dog, athletic, smart, all that, you can get that too. See, it's all in the owners. It's also, you know, to some extent, you could say the social environment in which the owner lives can have an impact. Uh, there's someone named Bronwyn Dickey who wrote a book called Pitbulls, the battle over an American icon. And Dickey points to one reason that some pit bulls may become ag aggressive, and I'm quoting here, because dogs bearing this label have been stigmatized and pushed to the margins of society for so long, animals in deprived areas can easily be affected by the same cycles of desperation, poverty, and violence that plague their human caretakers. So to our listener, Julia, who wrote in, you're not wrong to worry about loose dogs in your neighborhood or any other neighborhood, but to single out pit bulls over, say, German shepherds, labs, chihuahuas, that's just not rational. Nor is fear of vicious chihuahuas. Now, if you're, if you're reporting <laughs> the neighborhood chihuahuas being vicious, well, I'm going to say that's on you. The moral of the story here is pay more attention to the owners than to the dogs. If you see a dog off a leash, or it's not being properly restrained behind a fence, you should notify authorities. And if you see a dog owner mistreating a dog or any other pet, you should consider reporting that too. So Barry, pit bulls, fear or fear not? Fear not pit bulls. And if there's a dog issue in your neighborhood, hold the owner responsible. Down in Florida, we welcome you to the Sunshine State. It's time for Fear Florida, and here's the headline. Florida couple had sex in the back of a police car after DUI arrest. Yes, this is definitely going to be a Florida story. A Florida couple are facing multiple charges after they started having sex in the back of a police car after they were already under arrest on DUI charges. I guess they figured, what do they got to lose? Might as well finish the night off with a bang. Yeah, we're Floridians. A Nassau County Sheriff's Office deputy saw Megan Mondinaro and Aaron Seth Thomas riding bikes without lights on around 11.30 p.m. Both riders cut into the middle of the road and were nearly hit by a car. 
The deputy conducted a traffic stop and detected a strong odor from an alcoholic beverage emitting from both of them. The deputy also noted that Montanaro and Thomas both had bloodshot and watery eyes and were slurring their speech. Things got strange after both Thomas and Montanaro were arrested on DUI charges and placed in the back of the car. Quote, while I was outside my patrol vehicle, Megan and Aaron took their clothes off and started having sex. <laughs> when I opened the door to stop them, Aaron was naked and Megan had her pants down where her vaginal area was visible. I also observed her bra was halfway off and her breasts were fully visible. This officer is very observant. Very observant. Very man. observant. Very observant. His reports are very complete. <laughs> there, are. There's, there's so many things here. First of all, you got a DUI on a bicycle? That That's the first problem. Then you threw them both in the back of the car, but obviously they, they weren't handcuffed or they're both magicians. <laughs> Man, this is a Florida story. I love this. All right, Alonzo, then what happened? It gets better. Thomas was removed from the patrol car and managed to get away from another deputy at the scene before he was apprehended behind a cold stone creamery. The man's running around with no pants on, hanging out behind a cold stone creamery. So he was taken to a hospital for treatment. Treatment of what? <laughs> really? Treatment of what? He was getting laid in the back of a police car. Yeah. What did he suffer from? Oh, well. He was taken to the hospital for treatment before him being sent to the Nassau County Detention Center with the best story ever. Yes. Everybody in the detention center was walking around like, hey, here's the guy. This is the guy. A search of Thomas' backpack turned up seven full and one empty can of Four loco, an alcoholic malt beverage. Three locos is okay, but once you hit four <laughs> locos, there's going to be problems. The story continues. So we know Thomas, this guy had problems, but what about her? Well, the deputy said that Mondanaro became violent and started kicking at another deputy while being moved to another car. Apparently, they decided to separate the happy couple. So Thomas and Mondanaro were both given breathalyzer tests at the jail. Thomas, he blew a point. 146. She blew a point zero six two. Legally drunk is Florida is point oh eight. She wasn't even legally drunk. She wasn't even drunk and she was having sex with the drunk guy in the back of the police car. Barry, I'm not fearing Florida. I'm moving to Florida. <laughs> okay, first of all, you've had the worst luck ever. You get a DUI on a bicycle, right? Then you have the best luck ever. <laughs> right. You start hooking up with a girl in the back of a police, police car. Police car, a police right? car. Then your luck turns bad again, <laughs> but your luck gets good again because you escape the deputies and run away. Meanwhile, your girlfriend is being held down by some other deputies, okay? Now you're at the you're at the jail. <laughs> telling this story and you're a celebrity you're waiting for them to bring her to jail so you could just say hey fellas that's her that's her it really happened okay if you're drunk driving they put a lock on the steering wheel and you have to blow into that lock before you can start the car right i want to know when you're drunk and having sex in the back of a police car what do they put the lock on <laughs> fear florida or maybe don't in this case It's time for Barry's Fear of the Week. 
What do you got, Barry? Well, my fear this week is that people don't listen to what our president says to other world leaders. Most people only hear Trump's incendiary tweets, and those are for his hardcore supporters, and they're for cable news shows. He knows whenever he does that, they're going to talk about him for hours on end. If you've heard any of what Trump says directly to other world leaders, it's probably what Trump said to Ukraine's president. And you only heard that because that's what led Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats to officially open an impeachment inquiry. His phone call was the tipping point for impeachment. But to use another apt metaphor, it was just the tip of the iceberg. Over the past few weeks, Trump has talked with numerous world leaders because there was the UN meeting and he met with lots of them. And we know what he said on several of these occasions. Even just from the meetings that were public, you can get a good sense of how Trump's mind works or how it doesn't work, maybe. This is from his press conference with Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison. We're going to Mars. Uh, we're stopping at the moon. Uh, the moon is actually a launching pad. That's why we're stopping at the moon. I said, hey, we've already done the moon. That's not so exciting. They said, no, sir, it's a launching pad for Mars. So we'll be doing uh, the moon, but we'll really be doing Mars. And we'll be, uh, we're making tremendous progress. And listen to Trump during a press conference with President El Sisi of Egypt. My wife was there and she took these beautiful pictures with the pyramids in the back. She loved the pyramids. She was in love with the pyramids and you treated her so nicely. But the first lady was there with a group and uh, those pyramids are something very special. Uh, the pictures were something she'll never forget. Uh, that was really good. You got to wonder what's in the back of their minds while he's talking. Are they just looking at him thinking that this nation has more nuclear weapons than anywhere on earth. We have to be nice to this guy. Yeah, my wife, she's in love with Pyramid. Like, what is the poor guy supposed to say? That's exactly right. I mean, I posted that one about the pyramids on social media, and I, I heard back from William Grimes. He's a New York Times writer some people probably heard of. He left this comment. He said, if you take out the word wife, this sounds like an excited six-year-old describing a field trip. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Trump being a narcissist and being childlike. And both of those, I think, seem pretty true. But how does this play out when he says these things to world leaders? I mean, he's using prime ministers and presidents as props for saying what he needs to believe about himself, that he's the greatest of the great. He's the one and only. He's the savior of the world. Listen, when they say childlike, they do not mean it in the good way. That's true. They don't. Listen to this one. This one is from his joint press conference with Pakistan's Prime Minister Khan. Yeah, very likely and definitely you will be deserving a Nobel Prize. On that. I think He's I'll get Nobel a Nobel Prize, Prize for How a lot of that? things. Mr. President, Mr. President, I think I'm going to get a Nobel Prize for a lot of things if they gave it out fairly, which they don't. They gave it out. For, well, they gave one to Obama immediately upon his ascent to the presidency, and he had no idea why he got it. And you know what? That was the only thing I agreed with him on. You know, I hope, like, they're talking about all these reasons for giving Barack Obama a Nobel Prize. The best reason? To keep Trump angry. That was the best reason the world gave him a Nobel Prize. <laughs> The thing is, when, when when this is going on, you know, these world leaders, when they're standing face to face with him, they have to show him respect or when they're on the phone with him or anything else. 
And of course, whether they respect him or not, they're going to pretend to. And when they do that, Trump gives them and their people his blessing. Here's a clip from a few weeks ago with the Ukrainian president on the very day that the impeachment process officially got underway, a day that you would think that his grandiose self-importance would have been knocked down a peg. If it ever is, it would be on that day. And it wasn't. I will say this. I know a lot of people from Ukraine. They're great people. And I owned something called the Miss Universe pageants years ago and I sold it to IMG. And when I ran for president, I thought maybe it wouldn't be the greatest thing to own the Miss Universe and Miss USA pageants, but it's a great thing. And uh, we had a winner from Ukraine and uh, we've really had, uh, we got to know the country very well in a lot of different ways, but it's a country I think with tremendous potential. Yes, I know it because I'm from this country. Right. <laughs> And listen to another clip from that presser with Khan of Pakistan, giving him and his people the Trump seal of approval. You know what I do? I trust this gentleman right here. And I do trust Pakistan. I know I have a lot of Pakistani friends living in New York. They're smart. Great negotiators, by the way, in case you had any questions. They're among the toughest negotiators in the world. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my only comment is to laugh out loud. Uh, you know, it's unreal that they have to sit there and listen to this. And, you know, he said that to the head of a government that's, uh, how should I put this, not exactly kind, sweet and trustworthy. In fact, a reporter pointed that out during his presser alongside Prime Minister Modi of India, which is, as you probably know, Pakistan's big foe. But isn't we terror a bigger issue, sir? Pakistan state-sponsored terror. Is there a roadmap to deal with Pakistan state Well, you have great terror? reporters. I wish I had reporters like this. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing better than anybody I've ever heard. Where do you find these reporters? This is a great thing. No, look, you have a, a great prime minister. He'll solve the problem. I have no doubt about it. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Please. Thank you. If it wasn't real, it would be hilarious. Because that just sounded like a car salesman. You know, when you tell a car salesman, like, didn't a muffler just fall off? You know, as mufflers go, that muffler was fantastic. <laughs> Let's go into the office, right? They're just words. They're just, you know, somebody used the term word salad. And that's what it is. It's just random words coming out of his mouth. It is. And my point is, don't just listen to the tweets and stuff. If you want to know where we are with this guy in foreign policy, listen to Trump talking to world leaders and make up your own mind. If you're a Trump supporter, listen to a lot of these. <laughs> and if you're a Trump opposer, listen to it too so you know how he's really talking with them. This is the kind of stuff that these world leaders are hearing. Well, I'll tell you the two problems with that. If you're a Trump supporter, the problem with them is they believe the cult of personality. So just like him, they are uninformed and have this belief that America is the greatest country on earth. So I can talk down to any other leader as if that leader is less important or less intelligent. You know that. See, that's the amazing thing. He talks to people who are more intelligent to him as if they're less intelligent than him. If you're an anti-Trump, you already know this. You know, th there's a phrase, there's a phrase called Trump founded. I don't know if you've heard about being no, Trump founded. Uh, uh -uh. To be Trump founded is to have a look, a blank look, a startled look on your face because you're listening to something that is just utterly and outright ridiculous. Right. But I'd rather he talk about his wife's pictures, you know, of the pyramids than, than something that could do really a lot of harm. My fear with this 
is a couple things. First off, it's that most of the American public has never actually heard the way he actually talks with these people. The second fear I have with this is it's an embarrassment to the U.S. to have this joker talking this way with world leaders who are, you know, as you said, Alonzo, a lot smarter than he is. One of the things to fear, and he's already done it a couple of times, is him throwing out secret information yeah. while he's rambling. It is a little scary, don't you think, to send a six-year-old to negotiate with world leaders, especially when he thinks he, they're like his good buddies and he's all chummy with them and stuff. That ain't what they're thinking. They're there for a different reason. They're there to get an advantage for their country. Fear what Trump says directly to other world leaders. Absolutely. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the it's time for a nightcap. Every week, Barry and his crack research team dig for a story that has gone viral, one that is so ridiculously outrageous that it sounds too ridiculous to be true. Or is it? And you get to guess, is this true or is it made up? And here we go. Study finds surprising number of Americans think chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Well, Barry, we are a nation of geniuses. So, of course, Americans believe chocolate milk comes from brown cows. And, you know, Oreos come from spotted cows. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with they believe it. Alonzo, what if I were to tell you that this was reported by Food & Wine magazine? You wouldn't change my opinion if you told me it was reported by Dairy Cow Illustrated. <laughs> The Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy conducted a survey of more than 1,000 adults 18 and over in April of this year. They uncovered some shocking facts about how people think about and drink milk. Interestingly, 37% secretly drink milk straight out of the container. Only 37% admitted to drinking it out of the container, which <laughs> means 80% actually drink it out of the container. A quarter of the participants reported taking a trip to the grocery store before 6 in the morning just to buy milk. Let's turn to the chocolate milk stats now, okay? 29% admitted to using their kids as an excuse to buy chocolate milk for themselves. 48% said that they aren't sure where chocolate milk comes from. 48% aren't sure where chocolate milk comes from. Really? And drumroll, please. 7% of people, actual grown-up adults, still think that chocolate milk only comes from brown cows. So 48% say they don't know where chocolate milk comes from, but only 7% think it comes from brown cows. What do the other 41% think? I don't know, man. This is a crazy no, story. No, you started this. This is, you cra start, this is yours. Yo, don't tell me uh, you don't know. You blame this on the You're producers. You're the scientist. You're the one who went to school. I <laughs> want to know what the 41% <laughs> thinks. Okay, producers, go find out for us. I'm going to say it. I still believe that people think chocolate milk comes from brown cows. In case we need to say it, chocolate milk actually gets its flavor and its color from cocoa beans. But I got good news for you. You won this round. Yes, it's a true story. Of course it's true. Have a great week. Today is gonna be a good day. Don't care what anybody else say. Oh, I don't need a budget cookie to tell me the... 
If you like what you heard, hell, even if you hated what you heard, hit the subscribe button and tune in every week. Give us a five-star review to help us rise on the charts. And as always, if you hear news stories that make your hair stand on end or they sound like someone is trying to fill you with fear, send them to us at fearnotofficial.com or tweet us at fearnotofficial. And we'll see if we can uh, find the truth. Let us know what you're scared of. Fear Not is a Stone and Company entertainment production hosted by Alonzo Bowden and Dr. Barry Glasner. Executive produced by Scott A. Stone. Produced and edited by Adam Everest. Written by Scott A. Stone, Barry Glasner, and Adam Everest. Alonzo writes stuff too. Don't believe him. Our sound engineer is Tim Moore. Legal Beagles, Loeb and Loeb. Crack accountants are 10 key accounting. Special thanks to Gary Brown, Betsy Amster, and Adam's imaginary girlfriend.